Welcome to the Gospel in Lagos, the sermon podcast of City Church. City Church is a community of worshippers and mission. We exist to catalyze a gospel-centered movement that renews Lagos spiritually, socially, and culturally. You can find out more about us at www.citychurchlagos.com. City Church, love Jesus, love people, love Lagos. Good morning. Um, today's Bible reading will be taken from Psalm 42. Um, at the end of the reading, I'll end with, this is the word of the Lord, and you are to respond, thanks be to God. Psalm 42. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of, the, of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me, therefore I will remember, for, I'll remember you from the land of Jordan, the heights of Hermon from Mount Miser, deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day the Lord directs his love, at night his song is with me a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. This is the word of the Lord. So, um, one of the saddest songs I've ever heard um, was written by a guy um, named Eric Clapton. He lost his manager, he lost two members of his crew and his friend in a helicopter accident in August 1990. And then on March 20, 1991, his four-year-old son died after falling from the 53rd floor window of a New York City apartment. After six months of isolating himself, he wrote this song. It's called Tears of Heaven. You get the first verse which he wrote himself. It says, would you know my name? Speaking about the song. If I saw you in heaven, would you feel the same if I saw you in heaven? I must be strong and carry on because I know I don't belong here in heaven. Clapton is blaming himself for his son's death. He's asking himself if he would know, if his, if his son would still acknowledge him, and if he meets him in heaven someday, 
even though he wasn't the best father. You know, Clapton feels as though his decisions as a father make him unworthy of entering heaven. Clapton wrote many other songs, but this one was born out of his feeling of loss and of past joys. Clapton in this song is yearning for something he could have had, something that he wished he can still have. And so are the Psalms. They are poems, they are songs, they are vivid expressions of our internal emotions. They bring into recognition whatever is suppressed, whatever has been, you know, whatever we've used to acknowledge within us, whatever has been overlooked. There is a psalm that reflects every possible state that you've ever been in, that you are in, or that you might be in. There's a psalm for every condition. And that is one of the reasons why we decided to select seven psalms as part of our um, prayer of the saint series. So do you need counsel? There is Psalm 1. Are you good reading? There is Psalm 51. So today what we're considering is another one, Psalm 42. And this one is a wintry psalm. It's sad in tone, like Clapton's song. And it's not unusual because 50 to 70% of the psalms, they are wintry in tone, they are sad. Only a third actually have something that is really bright about them. And it is because the psalmists are real. They are real people. They are honest with God. They've studied the word of God so much that when they pray it back to God, they, they look at their emotions, they look at what they are going through, they look at the word of God that is in them, and they pray honestly to God. So they're not, they're not, trying, to be, they're not trying to airbrush anything. They are honest. They know that it's either winter is here already or that winter is coming. They know that there are always dark periods in our lives, even though things might be good now. And that is the psalm we're going to look at today. And it's also written by an artist. You know, if you look, at, if you look in your Bible, Psalm 42, you see a masquille of the sons of Korah. They are artists. They are, they are people selected by God to lead the people of God in praise and worship. So we'll look at it in three parts. Who is the Yena? What do they pray for? How do they pray? So prayer of the Yenna. Who is the Yenna? What do they pray for? And how do they pray? So who is the Yenna? You see, the Yenna here in verse 1 and verse 2, he says, As the deer pants, my soul pants, my soul thirsts for the living God. The psalmist compares his own soul to the deer. That means his inner core. He says, what is going on within him? He's thirsty and he's panting. You see, the psalmist here is spiritually dry. The psalmist here is exhausted. The psalmist here is dehydrated. But how did he get there? It is because he's downcast. Look at verse 5, verse 6, verse 11. He's disturbed. He's discouraged. He's dispirited. He's downhearted. And he's despondent. How wouldn't we, in our lives, if we look deeply in the past or even now, or in the future, are we not going to be? Have you, do you not remember what pastor said there sometime? That every man is in three stages in his life. It's either you are in suffering, or you just came out of suffering, or you're about to get, go into suffering. But the kind of suffering that the psalmist um, talks about here is, is kind of particular. Look at verse 4. He says, See, these things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to. Look at verse 4. You see, how I used to. The psalmist here is, 
He's thinking about loss. He's thinking about past joys. That's what he's praying. That is, that is his state of mind. Loss and past joys. The psalmist used to live in the south, but now the psalmist is living in the north. Mount Miser, away from the temple. The psalmist had experienced Zion, but now he's in the wilderness. The psalmist used to read the word of God together with God's people, praise God together with God's people. He used to remember, commit, recommit to covenant of God with God's people. The psalmist used to sing songs with people. But now what he endures are taunts and sneers. You see, how long? You see, they, they taunt me all day long, saying, where is your God? They say to me all day long, where is your God? The psalmist used to rejoice, but now he's mourning. You see, why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? The psalmist has lost stuff. And I want to ask yourself, what about you? What, what is it that you've lost? Or what is it that, whatever it is, have you lost your job? Or have you lost your youth? Maybe you're, you're like growing older and older. All of your kids have grown up and they've left. You know, now, you, when you were young, you had plenty energy, but you had little wisdom. But now that you're older, you have plenty wisdom, but little energy. Or there are things you still want to do, but the urge has reduced to do them. Or maybe you, you're growing past adolescence, you're, you're approaching midlife crisis, or you're in the middle of it, and you're asking yourself, who am I really? What am I going to do with my life? And that makes you downcast, that makes you desperate, that makes you despondent. You think about this all day, all night. Or have you lost friends, or you lost wife, or you lost husbands, or you lost children? The psalmist has lost stuff. You see, when psalmist is praying, every psalm, if you take them, they may be specific about a particular condition in psalmist's life, but it's applicable to whatever similar conditions that we are in our lives. You see, the psalmist's condition is also one of unfulfilled expectations. It's as though the psalmist has dreams, but he can't meet them. Look at verse 9. The way he speaks, look at the tone. Look at the way he says it. He desires for these things, but he can't get them. You see, how I used to go to the temple of God, he said, but now... Why must I go about money? Like, he doesn't want to be in this state. It's like you being trapped in a job, or you feel, you, feel, you feel held down by disease or by some pain. Or you're trapped in a relationship, or you're trapped in a marriage, or your engagement has been broken, or you're divorced. You're not over her, but, um, but she's over you, no matter how much you've tried, it still does not get it as though you don't exist. And it keeps you downcast and dispirited. Or you're not spending enough time with your kids as much as you would like. And you're wondering, what if this kid turns out bad? Or what if he grows up and he does the same thing to me? Or what if he grows up and does the same thing to his kids? You see, this is not how you dreamt it. This is not how you thought of it. When you look back 10 years ago, 15 to 20 years ago, this is not how you imagined your life was going to be. You see, the psalmist never experienced it, just like you. You said maybe some time back, some, some years ago, some time past, you know, me, driver, never. Me, become a maid over my dead body. In fact, so one of your friends with whom you said this together is already gone. I'll be a millionaire by 25. But you're just managing somewhere now. You know, I'll get my PhD by the time I'm 30. The psalmist is speaking about 
unfulfilled expectations. Or you're a young couple struggling, you know, we will not start, you know, I, I'm going to have everything, I'm going to, but you see, with all of your dreams, you're still a young couple struggling, trying to just make things work. This is not how you dreamt of it, and it keeps you bothered, it keeps you downcast, it keeps you dispirited. You see the psalmist again, verse 4, you say, you see, it says that, it says, how I used to go with shouts of joy and praise. He used to lead the festive trunk of people in praising God. It's as though now you don't have you don't have any zeal for prayer anymore. You're asked, but God is not hearing you, or God is so slow in hearing. You're not, you're not even praying. You know, by the time you're coming back from work, you're already dozing on the steering. You know, when you get back at home, you're dozing on your knees. You know, someone said that you see, is, is when you when you're praying to God and you sleep off, you don't even mind. You're just a child of God. You know, sometimes children sleep off when in the hands of their of their parents. You see, but if you <laughs> if you sleep off the first day, the second day, the third day, the fourth day for a week, it's like your your spouse trying to have communication with you, and then you sleep off the first day, you sleep off the second day, you sleep off the third day. What's she gonna say? No, no. Husbands like to fall asleep in the arms of their wife. You've lost your zeal for spiritual things. Your spiritual things no longer excite you. And it's Lagos, it's the archbishop of this city, it's sapped up this zeal from you. The very same place you, you have hoped to make it is the very same thing, very same place that is sapping up your zeal, sapping up your energy. You're always looking forward to the end of the Sunday service. You're not attending midweek service. You don't give intermittent thanks during, during your walk. You're not even saying prayers. You see, and what is funny is, in verse 7, the psalmist say that all your, all your waves and breakers have swept over me. He, the psalmist feels overwhelmed. It's as though he's drowning. That is, that is what that metaphor means. It is like an accumulation of trials. It's like a combination of all kinds of ills and troubles that he never anticipated, all kinds of sufferings that he never planned, coming down upon you. <laughs> like the scene in Black Panther where um, Kimonga had beaten T'Challa to a pop, as if that was not enough, he kicked him off and the guy fell down, down a waterfall. You see, the psalmist is saying, he says, see, your waterfalls, your breakers, your waves are swept over me, down, gushing down on him. You're asking yourself, is this, is this going to kill me? Am I not going to... I'm not sure I can stand this anymore. I'm not sure I have the courage or the power to bear this anymore. And you're always thinking about it. You know, you're crying in the night. You wet your pillows or your bed sheets. In the morning, your eyes are red. Look at verse 3. It says, my tears have been my food day and night. It means that the psalmist cannot afford to sleep because he's crying all day. The psalmist has lost his appetite. A food does not taste the same way it used to be. You see, how can I sleep when I just had another miscarriage? Or during work hours, jide, 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 and you are in the meeting, but you've lost your mind because you are thinking about those things that are bothering you. Jide, hey, yeah, I'm here. You're sad, you're empty, you're irritable, doctor says you have a high BP, you are withdrawing from others, you are emotionally sensitive, you have low motivation, you have low self-esteem, you even have suicidal thoughts, you're just quiet. This is the state of the psalmist, this is the state of the Yenna. 
You are not walking in power. You're not walking in miracles. You're not living a life of favor. And you don't know who you are. You see, as if that is not enough. In verse 3 and verse 10, he has people coming to meet him saying, where is your God? Where is your God? Verse 3 and verse 10. You see, this coming made was if, for instance, you live in a, you are the only Christian in your family, or you are the only Christian at your workplace. And you're meeting and say, ah, um, guy, you, you know, if, you no longer talk about God. You don't even share those your spiritual experiences with us anymore. Ah, ah, you're, you're not praying for healing, you know, eh? You, you are talking like this. What, what happened? You're now more doubtful about life. Ah, ah, you don't always. You didn't go to church last week, eh? Again, it's like, you know, it's like after, um, like the teacher is going down in the waterfall, and I, imagine other people coming to look and saying, ah, teacher, so you can't swim. <laughs> Where is your God? And even Christians can be like, it is because you have sinned. It's your sin that is disturbing you. It is the accumulation of your iniquities that have matched up and are disturbing you. But look at verse 2. He says, when can I go and meet with God? You see, a thief doesn't want to meet a judge. There is no guilt trip here. The cause of the same state is not because of his sins. Or they tell you, pull yourself up. You are the captain of your soul. But you're wondering your mind, you're thinking, where is the boat? I just told you that I'm drowning. Can't you see? Captain of what? Oh, you hear? Christians should not, should never ever feel that way, despondent or downcast. They should not. They should always be, you know, faithful, you know, always feeling good and sure and stand firm. You should just draw near unto you. You don't have faith. Just draw near unto God. God will draw near unto you. It's like you're, you're sitting in a public bus and you happen to be one of the first that enter. And then you're at the, at the last side. And people are entering the bus, and the bus is almost full. And, and, if, and one, someone enters and they say, ah, hey, Madam, dress. Dress for that side. And you dress. And then, ah, Madam, dress. And you dress for that side. Madam, dress. Dress. I don't dress. Madam, dress. I don't dress. Where you want my dress? Go. <laughs> but Christians say, no, you don't have enough faith. Where do you, how much faith do you want me to have anymore? Uh, this is overwhelming me. You see, I felt this way in the past two, in the past two months when I lost my, my cousin of 30 to kidney disease. You know, and it wasn't, we were close when we were young, um, and we've not been talking for a while, but it is not, it is, his death pained me, but it wasn't really his death. It was because I was not sure that my, my cousin was a Christian. You know, I started to think about all of my other folks that have never really put their trust in Christ Jesus, that I've not really believed the gospel. And I started to think, why, why, what is, why, 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 why have I believed in the gospel and they've not? Why, why, what, what is it? Is it I'm lucky? Why will God choose me and God will not choose them? 
And I just sunk myself thinking day and night about this, crying some nights, not eating for some weeks. My colleagues asking me, why are you not eating? Dummy? You're not eating in the morning, you're not eating the night. Are you fasting? No, I'm not fasting. See, but we're not alone. Paul in 2 Corinthians 1 verse 8, he says, see this. He says, see, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experience in the province of Asia. We, we are under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. This is the greatest missionary ever. He says in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 8, we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, Cast down, but not destroyed. You see, Elijah, after having killed 440 prophets, but he ran to God and he said, God, take my life. He felt suicidal. Was it John the Baptist, the greatest of all prophets, who was in prison and started to think, is Jesus really real? And he sent his disciples to go and ask Jesus. He said, are you the one or should we wait for another? These men were downcast, dispirited. They were discouraged. And this is the point where you get, this is the yearning point. This is the point where you get to. Is when, this, is, this is the point that gets you to begin to yearn. Because there is pain, there is loss, there is unfulfilled expectations, there are tons, there are sneers. See, but the most painful thing is that God seems far away. The most painful thing is that God seems absent. The most painful thing is that God seems unconcerned. The most painful thing is that God seems no longer living. Verse 2, you see, my soul tests for God, for the living God. You can't feel, you can't hear, you can't smell, you can't perceive God anymore. This is the yearning point. This is how the yearning is formed. My soul tests for you. My soul pants for you. So what did the Samuels do? What did the Samuels pray for? So we'll go to the prayer. What do Yenas pray for? But the first thing you ask yourself is, so uh, am I a Yena? Are you a Yena? Do you not try to medicate your pain? Do you not try to numb it? Do you not try to anesthetize the art? Do you not try to feel on some, you know, some soulish yogurts? Do you not try to pervert the use of good things by using them to cover up the art and the pain that you feel? He said, but yogurt can only quench the taste for so long. Soon you need water. Well, you go on some therapeutic shopping. I'll give you one more dress. You go on some therapeutic eating. Give me one more cone of ice cream. Or oh, at the bar, give me one more bottle. Or oh, at the pharmacy, give me one more codeine bottle. Or oh, at work, let me just spend one more hour. Oh, on Netflix, one more episode. Or oh, at the club, one more girl, one more guy, one more round. Give me one more pill. You say, I know that it's been hard, but please don't succumb to these pleasures. I know that it's been hard. Don't join your oppressors. I know it's been hard. Please don't compromise your faith. Why would you reject the founding of life and dig up for yourself broken systems that cannot satisfy? Because if you've tested God, nothing else will satisfy. And if you've not tested God, Nothing else will satisfy. The psalmist does not yearn 
for a return to his homeland. The psalmist does not yearn for deliverance. The psalmist does not yearn for public prayer again. The psalmist does not yearn for a means of grace. What does the psalmist pray for? The psalmist prays for God. He yearns for God. He yearns for the living God. He yearns not for the restoration of means of grace. He yearns for the God of grace. He yearns for God of the means. He thirsts. Three things the psalmist calls God. He says, God is my God. Look at the end of verse 6. My God. So to the psalmist, God is a necessity. It's not a luxury. So the psalmist, he begins to see that God is not an accessory. God is not a top-up. For we can go days without food, but water, no. He said, I test. It is more fundamental than even food. He didn't say, I hunger. He said, I test. God is so fundamental. He said, like winter. Our times will come and go. You see, but God's love is steadfast. In verse 6, he says, For the Lord commands his loving kindness day. God is stable like a rock. It is because the psalmist knows that the loss of the present sense of God's love is not the, is not the loss of the love itself. You see, you should know that in dark times, friends may be present, but they seem absent. You see, but God may seem absent, but it is, he is ever present. That is what the psalmist realizes. I may not be where I want to be, but if I'm with God, I'm okay. When will let go and meet with God? I may not have the job that I want to have, but if I have God, I'm satisfied. I may not have a spouse, but give me God and I'll be satisfied. See, many of the things you long for that bother you, that pain you, you will never... You will never get them, many of them. Most of them you might not get. Some of the things that you have lost, some of the things, some of the expectations have not been met. You see, even if you do get them, you may not feel like it anymore. But seeking the living God can never be an inordinate, it can never be over-ambitious, it can never be an inordinate ambition. And this is what the psalmist yearns for. You see, the psalmist yearns for God. He said, God is my God. He said, God is my rock. He is sovereign. I want to ask you, do you want a God whose plans include distress or do you want a God whose plans are challenged or surprised by his distress? Yenas pray for God because they know that unshakable convictions do not remove unavoidable pressures. Yenas pray to God because they know that a life in Christ includes crisis. He calls God my Savior. You see, those alternatives that we yearn for, they are like small gods. They have eyes, but they cannot see. They have ears, but they cannot hear. They have legs, but they cannot walk. But the psalmist wants something I can touch. He wants something that can smell, something that can sense. He wants to feel God. He wants, a, he wants to reach a God that can see. He wants to reach a God that can smell. He wants to reach a God that can feel, that can sense his pain, even if he won't take the pain away. Like husbands who and wives who have lived apart or like a distant relationship. You know, it gets to a point where, you see, photos are no longer enough. Emails are not enough. Voice notes are not enough. FaceTime is not enough. You just want the person. 
The psalmist is praying for God. It's like a child that is lost and crying, I want mommy, I just want to go home. I want mommy, I just want to go home. He gives him sweet, I don't want. He gives him TV and game, I don't want. I just want mommy, I just want to go home. See, ask for God because God knows exactly how you feel. This is the thought in the psalmist says. He says, God knows exactly how you feel because God in Christ felt your pain on the cross. In Matthew 26, you know what Jesus said? He said, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Jesus on the cross said, I thirst. When the soldiers, see these, see these oppressors, when the soldiers nailed him to the cross and put their king of the Jews, they say, oh, shall you save others? So let's who will come and save you. Where is your God? Let him come and save you. And Jesus cried. He said, my God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? Hebrews 5 says, is it for you offered prayers with tears? Jesus didn't lose a sense of God's presence. Jesus lost God's presence. So that it can always be with you till the end of the age. Through it all, comforting, satisfying you. The God of your life. Verse 8. The God of my life. You see, this is what Paul says. Paul says, these things have happened to us. So that we may rely on God, not on ourselves. Who raises the dead? Or is it Corinthian boom? A Holocaust survival. She lost all of her family members to the Holocaust. And she was, he said, he said, look outside, look without, and you'll be distressed. Look within, and you'll be depressed. But look at Christ, and you'll be at rest. I've had this moment myself. While I was disturbed about where am I headed? What am I going to do? When things were so hard for me, I didn't know I was going to go. I, 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 I fasted sleep and just wanting, wanting to see his face, wanting to hear him, just want, wanting to just show himself, however. And I've heard him speak. And I've heard him nudge me with hope in my heart. It is God that we need more than we need relief. It is God that we need first. So it brings me to the third point. How do they pray? How do they pray? You see, there are seven quick ways I'm going to show you in this cell. Seven ways that they pray. The first is to pour out. In verse 4, one, in verse 4, in verses 1 to 3 and verses 6 to 7, you say, the sentence is honest. You have to be honest about this prayer. You cannot suppress your pain or discouragement. You cannot say, it is not real, it's not happening. That is not the way you respond. You cannot also be overly introspective. You can't, you can't, you can't be self-indulgent of nostalgia of all of the good old days. How things used to be. You can't sink yourself there. You can also say that, you know, that's how life is. You know, a Christian, that is not Christian. A Christian does not say that is how life is. A Christian pours out his heart to God. You tell God exactly how you feel. You say, I feel like you've left me. 
That's how the psalmist pray. I need you. If you don't give me yourself, I, I feel like I might die. I am tired and worn out. I cannot believe that you're playing games with me. This is how you pray. You pour out your soul. You pray relentlessly. The second, you pray relentlessly. It's a song I've said that verse 40, Psalm 42 and 43 is together. So you see the refrain over and over again. It says, why are that cows down on my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. He says it three times. He said it three times across these two Psalms. He says, I will yet praise him even when it ought. I will yet praise him even when it makes no sense. I will yet praise him. You see, the first thing we want to do when we are so downcast, when we are disturbed within us is to neglect the means of grace, is to neglect prayer, is to neglect Bible reading, is to neglect study, neglect people of God, to neglect church. No, 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 no. You will not see your God that way. You pray relentlessly. The third way you do this is to ask God to show you your hopes. And say, in verse 6, he say, put your hope in God. So you want to ask God. He say, what am I putting my hopes in? Show me, Father. What am I putting my hopes in? Is it my work? Is it my child? Is it my husband? Is it my marriage? Is it my account balance? Is it my beauty? Is it my academic achievement? Is it my ministry? Show me what I put my hopes in, oh God. Replace it with you. You show him how much you want it. Does it require you going off food? Fasting off food? Does it require you fasting off episodes of binge watching? Does it require you fasting off sleep? Does it require you taking off time work? In 1 Corinthians 7, Paul even says, does it require you fasting off sex? As husbands and wives. He said, husbands and wives should take time off so that they can give themselves to prayer. How much do you want him? The fourth way is to call to mind past works of God. Remember the good things and pray to God, praising him. How, how good God has been to you in time past. The great things you've done. God, you've been there for me. You did this for me that time. You did this for me that year. You did it for me when I was so down and I thought there was no way out. I know you did it for me. Then he said, in verse 8, he said, he said, my soul is dark as with me. Therefore, I will remember. In verse 4, he said, this is I part my soul. I remember. You pray to God this way, yearning for him. Remember all the times you have felt him. Remember all the times you've sensed him in the past. And recall them to mind. The fifth way is a prayer also includes you talking to yourself. I know there are a lot of issues with you, with us confessing and speaking things to being as though they are not. No. Is it, but this kind of talking to yourself is talking to yourself before God. It is saying the truth of God's word to yourself. It is pulling yourself up. Why are you downcast, oh my soul? Don't you remember the things that God has done in the past? Don't you know how God has delivered us, delivered me from such and such? Why are you downcast to my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. A sixth way. You can pray this psalm. 
This psalm is applicable and useful in dark times. You can memorize this psalm and pray it and pour it out to God. When you have no words to speak, when your tongues are tied, when you're yearning for fluency, when you don't have the grammar of prayer, you can rewrite this psalm in your own words and pray it to God. Remember in Colossians 3.16, it says, let the word of God dwell rich in your wisdom. It says, singing to God spiritual songs, psalms and hymns. Seventh, singing can be prayer. Especially when you can't utter words. The psalmist says, I will yet praise him. Because it will make sense. We should not reserve songs of lament, songs of hope for funerals. See, if the song is spiritual, if the song is true to the inspiration of the Holy Spirit according to his word, sing it. Because the things that we go through do not happen at a certain time or the end of our lives. All through and within our lives, through the week, through the days, we go through stuff. We go through stuff more frequently than we like to sing those songs. And by doing that, we are not honest before God. We are not praying honestly. You may want to create a playlist. You might want to play these songs in anticipation of the winter. Or you might want to play these songs during those winter moments. You see what William Cooper said? He faced so much, he underwent so much depression. He attempted suicide four times. This is a, this is a Christian poet. And he wrote this song. He said, he said, sometimes a light surprises a Christian when he sings. And with this, one of the most touching songs I've ever, by Yena, that I've ever heard, was written by a guy called Horatio Spafford. Um, Horatio Spafford um, was a lawyer. His business, his firm kind of business crashed, his real estate business crashed. And then during, during a fire outbreak in Chicago in, in the 19th century, and then he decided to move with his family somewhere else. But then he fell sick, or he was waiting for some, some crusade to come. And he sent his wife and four daughters ahead of him on ship to travel. While on the ship, they had, they had a major accident. And 226 people on the ship died. And his wife sent a message to him. And she, in the message, she just wrote, saved alone. He lost his four daughters to that shipwreck. And then he, when he got this news and he was traveling to go meet his wife, when he got to the very spot where this thing had happened, where the ship had wrecked, or actually Sparford penned down, this very, very popular song. Um, many, some of us will know it. The song is, um, It Is Well With My Soul. And when my soul was overwhelmed these past two months that I shared, I sang it almost every day for two weeks, like I wake up at night, I'm singing it. Early in the morning, I'm singing it. And I found some relief, I found some light. Until one midnight, when I was singing, and I burst out, like partly in tears, partly in frustration. I said, it is not well with my soul. 
It is not well. And that's the nature of things here. You see, I assure you that none of these ways that I've shown you to pray will prevent winter from coming. None of these ways that I've shown you to pray will prevent you from being downcast. As long as we are at home here in our body and on this earth, and we are away from the Lord, we will always feel downcast. We will always feel dispirited. We will feel downhearted. We will feel despondent. Therefore, we have to look forward to the day when there will be no more tests. Therefore, we have to look forward to the day when there will be no more sorrow, when there will be no more mourning. And this is the strong reason that we have. There will be countless reasons to be discouraged. But this is the far greater reason that we have to be encouraged. You get the words of the fourth stanza of Spafford's song. But Lord... Tis for thee, for thy coming we wait. The sky, not the grave, is our goal. O trump of the angel, O voice of the Lord, blessed hope, blessed rest of my soul. Father, we... Um, we want to... We, we need you every hour. We need you more than we need bread. We need you more than we need water. The very reason why there is bread is so that when Jesus came and he said, I am the bread of life, we might know that is the true reason for bread. Help us to long for you more than we long for food, more than we long for the things of this world. Help us to yearn for you that we might be truly satisfied come winter or come summer. In Jesus' name I pray. Thank you for listening to the Gospel in Lagos. We pray you've been blessed by this message. To learn more about City Church, visit www.citychurchlagos.com City Church. Love Jesus. Love people. Love Lagos.